Is the access to care where it needs to be? Uh, no. Okay. How come? Because the demand is so great. Okay. That the access to care is still work in progress. up on you and you do a lot of very important work in the mental health space which is why we really wanted to have this conversation with you it's important it's important <laughs> it's important that i think more people better understand how impactful mental health is but also what happens when you know we don't pay attention to it when we don't treat it when we leave it untamed and how it can really affect the person. So uh, maybe for those who don't know who Sandy is, let's start there. Mm, sure, thank you. Well, I'm a complicated person like most of us. Um, <laughs> I am a, uh, uh, f- number one, I am a mother and a grandmother. That is my my best achievement in life. Congratulations uh, on that. Thank you, thank you. I'm just, uh, I'm very, very fortunate. Uh, have a really supportive husband, and um, I, I really care about um, the issue of mental health. And I have for as long as I could probably remember. And that is because I come from a home where my brother became uh, ill with schizophrenia as a teenager, which is the the normal timing for that. But he is 10 years older than I. So um, it impacted my life, uh, the entire family life, and obviously my brother. So, um, yeah, I come to I come to this world uh, with a lot of experience that I probably didn't want to have, but uh, it was given to me, and so I feel a really strong connection and obligation to um, be an advocate for mental health because my brother never could. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really important to me to, um, with this this voice, um, with this platform, to um, to be able to be open and accepting and to learn and to use my voice to share with others. And how do you do that? How do you share that voice? You know what? I think that a number of years ago, my husband and I, and and he being a public figure, mm-hmm. um, Jim Treliving, Dragon's Den fame, um, we just really thought that this was an opportunity that we could not pass on. And, you know, we went to the newspapers, we... Um, we said that we were supporting mental health. I joined the um, CAMH Foundation Board, CAMH being Center for Addiction and Mental Health, and really took on that role of being open to discuss. And what that what happened then next is the outreach of people that were wanting to speak to us. Hey, let's go for dinner. And then the conversation would turn inevitably 
to mental health. Mm -hmm. And people would say to us, you know, I think that maybe my mother was not well. I think that, you know, crazy Uncle Lou was really crazy Uncle Lou. <laughs> you know, when you think mm -hmm. about it just in, in, in the simple terms of how we were growing up, and it would be like, geez, you know, I don't really like talking to that person that much. And and not understanding behind the scenes really what was, what going, was going on. on. Yeah, I think a lot of that, like, as we get more and more exposed to better understanding the impacts of mental health, the more you realize that some of your closest family members have struggled with it, yeah. but they didn't have the resources or also even know that they had a, a, an issue. So true. And... Um, I, and especially in certain communities, right, where it really is not discussed. And that's where we see there's such a great need for more advocates and more ambassadors of, of, of these communities. Like we need leadership that, that flows within, within that neighborhood and that neighborhood to really have a huge impact because we see all communities at the hospital but maybe we're getting them too late and more likely we are getting them too late so now we're in a mental illness situation where it could have been a mental health situation and do you do you hear the the difference in those maybe, terms maybe explain what would be the difference between a mental illness versus mental health well you know we all need to look after our mental health we all look need to look after our physical health, right? And they are, they're, they're so entwined. Yet uh, education is so so completely different, right? A psychiatrist role versus a, a physician role. And, and unfortunately, the way that our system is set up, um, they do separate us. Whereas we should be going in for a wellness check, which should be physical plus plus mental. So a lot of us have mental health issues. Uh, maybe it's a mild anxiety. Maybe it is, it, it's, you know, something in terms of, of a mild health issue, mental health issue that you can deal with. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be going to a hospital for, perhaps it's meditation, perhaps it's cognitive behavioral therapy, um, perhaps it's seeing a therapist, but that doesn't mean that you're gonna be hospitalized. That's more in the severe mental illness stage. Okay. And we would love to be able to get you early on when you are not feeling well. And, not, and I'm not talking flu. I'm talking you're not feeling well because perhaps you're having panic attacks or, or anxiety or mild depression. Because we can treat those. Right? If we get those, think of it in terms of stage one cancer versus getting a diagnosis at stage four cancer. Right. So if we can get you at stage one, this is my term, this is not a medical term in the sure, mental yes, health yes. world. <laughs> Let's not forget I am not a doctor. Um, but if we can get to someone early, mm -hmm. the chances are that they will never have to go to uh, a psychiatrist or or into a full mental illness so this is another piece that we want to share with the public let's not be afraid of the brain it is an organ and organs get sick 
you have other organs in your body that also can get sick and we can go to a doctor to resolve those Mm -hmm. issues. So we need to really, again, reduce that stigma, educate people, create the awareness, and um, hopefully, you know, we will get a group of advocates that will speak out for their community. Why do you think there is still such a profound stigma around mental health? Uh, I think it's a number of reasons. I think um, I think religion plays a, a role in that. I think that a lot of people say, well, this can't be happening to my child. Um, so like cultural... I think so okay. too. I, but I also think that... Um, People feel it's a reflection, perhaps, of what they have in their home. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, but I educated them, or I, tra- I did treat them well. I, I've, you know, I, they see it as as something that perhaps they have done, and 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 perhaps there's been a contribution somewhere. There is a lot of trauma within families, but it happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at if you look at um, mental health now one in four have a mental health issue and that's a global number that's Mm. not just here in the in the in toronto or in canada so that's that's two billion people yeah that's a huge number and um yeah so we need to accept the fact that people do get sick but that doesn't mean that they're sick for life Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 they need our support. They need our guidance. And uh, again, to be advocate an advocate for someone who is not well. Yeah. How do you you said you want to get them early? How would you how do you even get, get them early? Because most people, it's like it's only when you feel, I guess, at stage four is where mm-hmm. you want to get help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes people that are uh, experiencing a mental health issue don't always recognize it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where we need to count on our family and our friends and our co-workers. And those are tough discussions to have too, right? But, um, you know, conversations like, I notice that you're not sleeping or I notice that you're sleeping a lot during the day. I notice that um, you know maybe your diet has changed, or you're not exercising, or you're not seeing your friends as much as you used to. Those kinds of things can start to open up the conversation. Where then you know, is there anything I can do to help? Um, perhaps going to the doctor with the person that is struggling to to really say, hey, this is what I've noticed. I hope you, may I say this, you know, may I have your permission to say this, but I, this is what I'm noticing. Um, so I think those kinds of things are really important that we are open and honest with our friends, our family members, our coworkers, um, because, it, it it's it's impactful and it can really actually get somebody thinking oh yes you're noticing it too hmm. but i don't know what to do it almost validates what you're currently feeling yeah that hey maybe there is something that feels off and when somebody close to you notices yeah. it and says something it kind of makes you 
cognizant all of a sudden of there's there's something happening have yeah, you have you seen that within your friend yeah. group myself like because you mm-hmm. think you're hiding it properly like you know no one can tell right and then as soon as there's this thing they point out it's like oh like okay maybe it is very obvious that i'm i guess so detached mm-hmm. right so that that pointing out i was like okay maybe if if because you always again you're always trying to hide it right then when you, someone says something kind of get a little defensive about it it's like no 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 i'm okay but then mm-hmm. You realize that you just start thinking about okay yeah maybe maybe they're right or you can tough it out yeah right or you try to yeah. and, until it gets to the point where it's overwhelming and then yeah other areas of your life start to suffer whether it's your relationships your yeah. employment your fine your finance you name it access to care too is kind of the you know how do i navigate it right mm. and if you're not feeling well you're not maybe the best person to navigate though that you know that access to care so again having somebody in your corner is really important um i do hope that i can share some links with you Absolutely. Of, right some really good um evidence-based care if if anyone wants to um learn more to please go to the camh.ca website um, in terms of navigating uh, access to care and also in terms of just learning more about a number of um, mental health uh, issues. And if you want to find out more, really great, great website. So I highly recommend that. Well, from the, from the access to care perspective, you know, when there is someone who is struggling mm-hmm. with a mental health element you know like they're uh, perhaps they have a serious amount of anxiety and obviously coming off the heels of the pandemic where we've been locked down people tend to to feel isolated still to this day um it, it seems a lot more prevalent amongst a lot more people and yes you know we're doing as a society a lot better in terms of talking more openly about these things but is the access to care where it needs to be uh no Okay. How come? Because the demand is so great. Okay. That the access to care is still work in progress. But having said that, there are a lot of really great things that are happening in the mental health world. Um, We have in Ontario opened up 13 plus. I know that there's another five that have are in the works of um, youth wellness hubs and you can also look at that online youth youth wellness hubs ontario which is supported by camh so um, the the idea of access is this 11 to 25 year olds can walk into a clinic that is supported by camh they will go in there, whether they have anxiety, depression, panic attack, whatever they're experiencing. And there will be somebody there that can say, okay, let's take a look at what you're experiencing and figure out the next steps for you. So now they don't have to tell their parents. They don't have to tell anyone, right? So they can go in, we can track them. Right. So maybe it's a, okay, you've got a mild case. This is what we're seeing. Let's start you off with cognitive behavioral therapy, which you can find online as well. 
let's try that and let's keep in touch and let's follow. Perhaps there's, you know, a need for this person to see a therapist right away, or perhaps it's even more uh, involved and they would need to see a psychiatrist. But um, these things are opening up that you don't have to go to a hospital where we only have X amount of beds. At CAMH, it's close to 500. Um, but, you know, that again, if we put these, these, these buildings, these structures all across the province, that is really helping a lot of communities sure. where they don't have great resources in terms of mental health care. So we're super excited about these. They have proven to be um, just an excellent resource for people, uh, excellent care centers. What we have found is that people are going in, they're getting the care that they need, they're offering to be peer-to-peer support help, they're looking for um, uh, an opportunity to work there. Uh, oh wow! So it's almost like a very—it's—it's it's a very community-centered yeah. place where the the people who are coming in for support turn around and then be the ones supporting others. Yeah, that's exactly. incredible. I love that. It yeah. is incredible. We also have another initiative. Um, I'm really excited about this. So our family—can I get into the women mind piece? Sure. <laughs> I mean, really and truly, mental health applies to everyone. It sure does. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Women Mind because um, of access to care. So um, three years ago, our family was going to do another gift to CAMH. And I was trying to figure out what would um, inspire, um, not just my husband but the family because we were going to do a pretty substantial gift and and I felt as though the last gift felt very much more about me uh, myself and my husband but not necessarily our our kids so I said to my husband what do you think about this I'd had a conversation with Deborah Gillis who's the CEO of our foundation I'd found out that funding for women in science was was such a small piece of funding in particular to mental health is smaller than any any other um, health issue which is very sad and then in terms of women's mental health it was completely off the charts nowhere so there's a huge need to support women in science because then they can study women's mental health and change the narrative which has always been driven by men because only men have been studied in mental health so for instance drugs that are given to women antidepressants are given to more women than they are to men only ever tested on a man's body Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's just, I, I know, it's right? Weird. Yeah. It is. It's very strange. Uh, you know, mice, five, five mice to, to one woman. And women, women suffer from mental health much more than men do. So here we are with this huge need, this huge gap in, um, in gender equality here. 
And I just thought, wow, he needs to learn about this. We all need to learn about this. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, what do you think about funding women's mental health specifically? And we do this gift. We are heavily strewn on the female side of our family, more female than males. What if the girls do the gift? What if it comes from the true living women? And he just was like, I love this idea. Mm. And talk to the girls, see if we if they're okay with this. And they were like, yes, of course, this sounds fantastic. So we have Next Gen involved as well in philanthropy. And, you know, here we are learning as a family and as a community because it's a donor circle. Mm. So we're bringing other women in. One of the first scientists that we hired, getting back to the access to care, Dr. Daisy Singla, has uh, worked all around the world, and she is studying maternal mental health. So postpartum disease is impacts women, about 7% of women, which can turn, if not diagnosed and if not treated can turn into a major major depressive disorder so now you've got a mom you've got a baby impacted perhaps the relationship with the the other family members husband children etc that can really be struggling and can struggle now then to to the end of uh, of their life because it is very 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 hard to treat sure because it's it's now morphed yeah. into something more severe. So how do the like in that f- sort of fi- family dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, like how how do the like how can a, a man support his wife in that equation or in that particular family dynamic? How can they be more supportive or facilitative to support these kinds of mental health improvements? Well, really good question. I think that um, men obviously should see the change in in their partner or spouse or their sisters or their yeah correct their cousins, like correct i think it comes down to again those those topics or the, sorry those those lead-in questions right i i see that you're not sleeping well i know that we've got a little one how can i help you know can we bring in another sister or your mother or, or whatever Let's see if we can solve some little steps, but you really need to be paying attention mm-hmm. because what we used to call the baby blues is more than just the baby blues. And anyone that has had the baby blues uh, knows that you hope that it passes day three, day four, day five, and then you get back on track, but some women don't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where men can be very supportive and need to be supportive. But again, they need that ed- education, right? They need to know that this is a possibility. Yeah. And it is normal that, you know, with your hormones dropping dramatically and, and so much going on after the birth, that there is a huge potential for there to be a lot of problems. And um, the more we know, the more we can support. And obviously from from a man's perspective, if you don't know or or have an understanding of any of that, you start to wonder what's going on and that creates uh, a whole slew of other issues. Right, there's there's double tension. Yeah. Yeah. So from from the, like, 
I think one of the biggest things that I want to better understand is coming out of the pandemic, we touched on this a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. you know, the, the isolation, the lockdowns, you know, people being stuck at home, some of them in bad relationships, some of them already with poor mental health spaces, like in the, in the, not in the right space. Mm -hmm. And can we maybe talk a little bit about from your perspective or from CAMH's perspective, what you're seeing in that realm? Are we in what some people have called the worst mental health crisis that we've seen in uh, ever? Yes. I hate one. Sorry, sorry. That, that's <laughs> no. not very. I I gave you a quick no on one and a quick yes on another. Um, we were already in a mental health crisis prior to the pandemic. Okay. Right. Um, now it's been exasperated by by COVID for sure, and you probably already know or um, see that there are a lot of people that are still stuck in their homes. Um, there are a lot of people that are still struggling. What we're seeing at the hospital in terms of um, our emergency room is a number of youth that are reaching out for help. We're, we're thrilled, and I know that sounds odd, but we are thrilled when they come to us because they're going to get help, yeah. right? Versus not coming to us and then it becoming a bigger problem. But again, we all know that the wait times are really significant. Uh, again, back to access to care. Please use our youth wellness hubs. Look, um, look for that on the website um, for a, a spot near you. Fill out all the navigate forms. You do still have to go to your family doctor to see a, a, a specialist in in mental health and psychiatry. So there are a lot of uh, hoops to go through, but um, again, the earlier, the better. What if you don't have a family doctor? Isn't that, it? it's so strange in Canada. I've realized that, I because I've had a family doctor my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people don't. And I didn't realize until, I guess, we started talking about it more. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, I don't have a family doctor. To me, it's like, what do you mean you don't have a family doctor? But it's obviously evident that many do not. So then we talk about a lot of these, I guess, um, access. It's like, oh, we have to have a family doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you lot of, see a lot of people using the emergency room now, too, right, for everything. Which only compounds the problem because there's yeah. emergencies. You know, everybody has what they're feeling in that moment to them is an emergency, but yeah. they're in the wrong place for the, the specific treatment that they need. Exactly. And there's such a distrust, too, in the, in sure. the medical community, yeah. which is very sad. Um, I mean, I growing up, I, I'm quite a bit older than you gents here. And, Can't tell at all. <laughs> and I mean, our family doctor used to come to our home. Oh. Yeah, I remember that with his little um, black bag and the stethoscope and all of those things. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, uh, that is long gone. Um, I, I think our whole health care system is, um, is backwards. Um, we use our, our doctors um, for after the fact, so yeah. we're already sick, sick instead of preventative medicine. And I'm not just talking about mental health, I'm talking about everything, right? Yeah. Um, so it is, it's really unfortunate that um, we don't get to, um, we don't 
think about wellness, we think about um, uh, illness hmm. in terms of um, medical care, and that's that's really wrong. But but you're absolutely right. Like people have been um, stuck in their homes, and maybe that is not the safest place for them. Um, children weren't able to go to school. Uh, a lot of children use the um, education system in schools for food mm. as well, right? So there's there's so much going on in our society that um, uh, we need to work on. And um, again, that's, that's educating and doing what you can in your community is hugely important. Um, one of the initiatives that Dr. Daisy Singla is working on is that perinatal natal care um, where it is talk therapy. So she's studying um, thousands of women and and instead of you know having to see your doctor for a mental health reason, they're following the, the woman through her pregnancy and afterwards to make sure that they are in their best um, mental space. Um, which is helping the mother and the child and future generations, right? Why do we, why do we struggle system-wise to focus on preventative as opposed to after the fact? Yeah, I just think the system was built wrong, and I don't think that it has changed. Do you think it can be changed, or is it one of those too big to, to like, it's just, you can't turn? Um I think you can always change, and I think you can always turn. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that if you try to turn it all at one time, you know, that's just not going to happen, yeah, right. right? But I think it takes all of us. I think it takes all of us to row that boat and to um, talk to our politicians. And um, I, I, I think that we're in a very interesting time. You know, like we just have these conversations. It feels like over and over and over again. But um, you know, how much money do we spend in? in raising money for politics and and what that money can do you look at a, look at our neighbors to the south and i just think oh my gosh how many billions of dollars go into political ads what what could that money do for yeah. the actual issues yeah that's a very good point yeah it's it's sad and i don't know how we got here but we're here so now we need to focus on getting out of here and what about <laughs> from the the workplace perspective obviously with the pandemic a lot of people started working from home um, very quickly realized that that extra hour in their day back to them from their commute that they no longer have to do has given them an hour more to you know do what they need to do it's given them a lot less things to stress about when they get home but as people are returning back to work I'm, I'm curious from your perspective where you see workplace culture related to its prioritization of mental health if at all like do you see it do you see corporations and, and and businesses moving in that direction do you feel that there's more work that needs to be done there definitely more work that needs to be done but I do see a lot of positivity happening around that because we do need a healthy workforce right we do need healthy um, mothers in homes we need healthy fathers um, we need a healthy education system, but we we absolutely have to look after our employees as family and community. Um, and I think that if a CEO 
of a company is standing up and saying, I am supporting this and showing it through um, whatever means um, needs to happen for their specific companies, whether that is uh, hybrid work, whether that is um, you know, st- staggered hours of work, um, perhaps that fits a family better, um, whether it is uh, time for and money applied to um, wellness camps or times of the day or whatever it may be. I think that um, that is the movement going forward. And I think that that is, if I were looking for a company to work for, I would want to be looking for something that is standing for the positivity of and a healthy environment for myself and my coworkers. It plays a huge role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like really impacts your ability to even work. Right. Like if you're constantly concerned about, you know, you're dealing with things at home and you're trying to figure those out. And on top of that, you've got a, an unhealthy or a toxic work environment where they don't prioritize mental health and balance. And yeah. and I've heard a lot of counter arguments of, you know, we've gotten too soft on that topic. People should just go back to work and stop complaining about it. But I think that's a very narrow view of you know, if you really want people to perform their best, they have to feel their best. Yeah. Because that's when they perform their best, right? To be happy. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's unrealistic. We we can't expect what we're expecting of people moving forward. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, I can only speak to this from a standpoint of a woman. And uh, who do you need me to be this hour of the day? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you need, you need me to be, you need me to be mother, you need me to be wife, you need me to be partner, you need me to be caregiver, you need me to be working to make so that I am happy as well. Like, what do you need me to be this hour? And, and that's a, that's a lot to take on. So um, then, you know, if there's a a work component or, you know, you're looking after your children as the main caregiver or you also are looking after your parents who are aging, that's a lot lot to take on. Sure. And it's a lot on anybody. It's a lot on anybody. And perhaps, you know, nothing's perfect. Your relationships aren't perfect. Your, right, your, your maybe you're missing deadlines it's just there's there's so so much going on and i think after covid i don't know whether you feel like this or not but i feel like there's i'm even more busy than i was before do you feel that way yeah it feels like everything's gone into hyperdrive yes like everything is go 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 you're always behind you're always trying to catch up to things and it's this constant rat race of like how do i how do i just survive my day yeah. Not how do I take time to enjoy it? And, and and sometimes that commute actually gave you that space. In a weird way, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Just like a, that nothing. alone time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And now it's like, it's just uh, call after call after call after call. Well, that's the trade-off with virtual, right? Is that when you were in an office, for example, if we had a meeting, you have a few minutes to yourself to walk back to a desk, to, to your office, you go to the bathroom, grab a bite, something. Yeah. 
and now with virtual it's you know you're meeting and you have a meeting from 10 to 10 30 and then another one from 10 30 to 11 11 to, like there's no breaks in between mm-hmm. you feel like you've you're doing so much more. Yeah, I have to say there's times that my my uh, shoulders feel like they're up at, at my ears and that's not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as you were just literally pointing, I'm like, my shoulders are high, I need to lower them. <laughs> that's not normal. But uh, we're all in this together, right? Yeah, Like 100%. we are all feeling it. And I think that we need to uh, not only think about ourselves in that, in that what is it, how is this impacting me? Yeah life today but how is this impacting my partner yeah. how is this impacting my children uh how is this impacting my employer mm-hmm. you know i think we need to give grace to all absolutely yeah. yeah because i mean ultimately when you're not in a good place all your relationships get strained yeah yeah for so sure. from in terms of you know obviously with this particular podcast we're really trying to shine a light on the mental health space because particularly from a like from for men we don't do a good enough job talking about these things what would you recommend the community do more of to improve the conversations around this space a lot of our guests have talked about how you know you lead with vulnerability you show that it's okay that if you're not having a good day that you can talk about it how do you you know what have you seen that's been successful that works in that regard? Uh, if you're speaking about men, mm-hmm. um, you're absolutely right. I feel as though there isn't quite that openness. Um, but if I look at my female friends and uh, acquaintances, while we may be open to talking about it I'm not right today I'm not feeling good I think we may be more used to doing that um, because quite frankly there's a lot that goes on with our bodies Mm. from a very young age to a very old age that men never experience so perhaps that's why we're a little bit more familiar with the conversation of of you know oh i don't feel great today but that doesn't mean that we know anything about getting help for those things Mm. like we still don't understand what the heck goes on with our periods (laughs) i mean and that's you know since the beginning of time there's no research that's been done or minimal i mean they're just feels as though they're starting Uh, you know what do you talk to your what does your mother say to you well get used to it this is what happens you know put a heating pad on your back um like there's there's just nothing so while we are open to the conversation we may not be getting what we need in terms of mental care for that so um and then you know it's such a a big think about it in terms of a monthly cycle you guys probably don't want to be talking about this right now but you know you can lose a good four to five days and some women much more of the month where you're not a hundred percent and unfortunately we just get used to it so um yeah talking about it is one thing what we need to do 
is we need to start funding mental health research. For everybody. Yeah. For all. Yeah. And it is, it's past time. We... How do we do that? Well, how how did we do it for cancer? Look at the trillions of dollars. And and hey, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that that wasn't and isn't worth it. Sure, yeah. All I'm saying is that there's we're, a model to follow. Yeah. We're not funding. And, you know, in the 1960s, they declared a war on cancer. And billions, trillions have now gone into cancer. And we're in a much better place again if we can get you at stage one, right? Right. Um, but, and, and, and listen, a ton of awareness things, right? Sunscreen, yeah. no smoking, you know, et cetera, that have come out of that. And people listen to that evidence-based information we need to get to the evidence-based information when it comes to mental health right Right now CAMH is building the largest research and discovery center for mental health on the campus at CAMH so it is bench to bedside we will be and are already sorry what does that mean bench to bedside so our researchers and the hospital are right there so we go from research discovery clinical care within our patient base and and database that we already have then proven right teach the clinicians how to then treat the patient and spread that once confirmed, spread that globally, and we're sharing our research and our evidence-based care to get people in a better, better healthy society is really ultimately what we're after. So we're super excited that this is happening. Absolutely, should be. That's yeah, 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 we're in the, the midst of our, our fundraising campaign, um, which we announced in February. How long does that go on for? Um, well, or is it just an open... we will, yeah, we'll close in 2025, but okay. the shovels will go on the ground in 2024. Okay. So, and where can people find, like, where can they go to, to support that if they want to, to donate or start a fundraiser around it? Oh, we would love that. Listen, we need to, we need to get the, uh, we need to get the country behind it. We really do, um, because everyone's going to benefit from this. So, right. CAMH.ca, um, and there's a bunch of uh, information on the new research center, um, as well as a donate here button. Um, <laughs> but we're super excited. We're going to attract and keep the uh, the best minds yes. um, working on uh, on research. So we're we're just really pleased that it's that it's here. Um, Canada is the right place to do this too. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Sandy, thank you so much for coming through. Oh, thank this you so much. <laughs> thank you for, for doing all the work that you do. Thank you for, for prioritizing such an important topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that this is a story that, you know, you grew up with, but, you know, people grow up with tons of things and decide not to do anything about it, but you've decided to to actively pursue it and be a voice for it. And I respect that. I commend you for that. And uh, we're going to try to do whatever we can to help, to, help. to support that yeah. because we really think that 
there is a need for for more conversations around mental health improving it for everyone um and we see the effects of it on people and the effects that when it affects one person in your family how it affects you and then it just it just grows from there and if there's better ways of of preventative care you know i think anybody would tell you that they would rather have had preventative care than to deal with a a a post yes like it's just I, i can't see why anybody would argue against that so Thank you so much for, mm-hmm. for sharing your time with us and, and for doing such incredible work. Oh, and, uh, thank you. Thank you. We'll, be, we'll be cheering you on and trying to find ways that we can support in some oh, way. I yeah. would love to take you guys on a tour. I would love that. Would Please, you? Yes. Okay, let's I do, have, do that. I, I do have one question. Yeah. Um, just one going back. You mentioned 11 to 25, you can walk mm-hmm. in. I was just wondering, like, why is it up to 25 and then what happens after 25? Because, like, <laughs> you, might, you might be a little bit older than us, but we're still over 25, right? So, like... You know what's so great about it? I know it seems it seems like an odd space, but um, when you're 18 years of age, you can take over your own care. Right. So there is a huge gap in that uh, health care. Um, and when people, you know, psychosis hits in the teens, and um, if somebody is um, very ill, uh, we can lose them out of the out of the because unless you have like a power of attorney or something like that, you can really lose your your child um, to either, you know, even worse mental health, worse addiction, because they're feeding their, or self-medicating their mental health uh, to suicide. Um, so we want to make sure that we have that covered. Now, hopefully if we're going to get you that much later, that um or sorry i should say this a little bit differently um so if you're coming to us at 18 20 21 um hopefully we're going to be able to direct you in the right place that you will need to be Um, but again it could be just a minor mental health issue where you could start off by someone suggesting a cognitive behavioral therapy which may just work perfectly for what you need for your for anxiety or um you know let's it break it down kind of in smaller steps for you and if you are identified that you need more help then we'll find the right place for you but um you know i would suggest that perhaps at 25 you've also maybe had some other health issues that that um we could speak to you about yeah right and a younger but but you're absolutely right just because you're 25 doesn't mean i mean you can have a mental health episode at any point in your life right we see people from 6 to 96 is what we say right children mm-hmm. all the way through to dementia and alzheimer's at the hospital so um at any point any one of us can have a moment. Can yeah. have that, yeah. yeah. Can have We'd that love situation. to tour the, the facility. Oh, yes, that would be sure. awesome. I yeah, would love, love to, to tour you. Yes, Thank and, you so and bring some more gents. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We'll turn right. it into a, maybe we can somehow turn it into a mini fundraiser. Yeah, something. <laughs> something. Yes. That would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, awesome. thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Very much appreciate it. Poncho, thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for listening.